You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Top Woman. Business Unusual. Hello, everyone. Um, it's a big, warm welcome to our Top Woman Business Unusual podcast. Today, um, ultimate journalist, presenter, personal idol of mine, Leanne Manners. Welcome so much. Thank you for coming in and having us today. Oh, man, Carla, it's such a joy being with you. I mean, this is such a, a different dynamic. I know you're in a different way. So to actually yep. be sitting and chatting to one another like this is amazing. I love it. Thank you for having me. And my biggest question has been, how do you interview the ultimate interviewer? Like, how, where do you start with that? So. You have a conversation with them. I suppose you kind of, you bring, you bring your cup of, cup of coffee along and you kind of just chat. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. So, I mean, this, this podcast, I think what, what we, um, just to, to give the listeners some, some overviews, I like, really want to touch base with, Who's Leanne Manners? But what is that? What has your life, the the angle that you come from, can teach us about doing business, being a leader, um, interacting with people? I mean, we often talk about work-life balance. I know for you, you you've uh, seen many statements kind of got that down, not down to a T. I don't think anybody's got it down to a T, but it's something that you prioritize very well. And then. Um, some of the like exciting, exciting life lessons that you've had as a journalist. I mean, you started, not started out, but I would say it got really exciting when I look at it, that you're part of the 2004 elections. I mean, how does somebody prepare themselves for that kind of revolutionary, historic moment, um, you know, in the world, right? Because this yeah. was, the world was watching. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing was is that I, I actually didn't really realize how, how big it was until, until you participate in it. And that's, perhaps that's what it's all about, is that you, you kind of go into it in a way where you're almost naive uh, yeah. to the fact of what's about to happen. And, and then you take it in your stride. I mean, you obviously, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do and, and the opportunity that comes your way. It has to be something that allows you to shine. So if they've got it in you, if, if already there's something in you that is there, and then you're suddenly given a platform to be able to shine, it's either going to make or break you. And, th- and that's the reality, is that it actually doesn't matter how big something is or how small something is. If you're good at it and you put your heart and soul and your passion into something, that, that is really just going to be the deciding factor. I'm making it sound really, really easy. Because of, <laughs> yeah. I'm assimilating it to everything because it is it, it, it sounds really really simple whether you're starting a magazine whether you're starting a business whether you are um, starting a, putting a product or you're doing whatever you are doing the reality is that if you are passionate about something and you really really feel that you're actually good at this and this is something that you truly believe in I think you can succeed no matter what I really really do out of interest who where did you get that validation from you know a lot of us we 
don't know we're good at something and we are so the validation comes externally i mean where did you get that absolute confidence and validation that this was your calling yeah i mean i, I think it, 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 it's an internal battle because you know it, it's something that I've had to I've, I've had to go through and realize that okay in the beginning I was exceptionally sort of shy and and introvert and then I managed to bring myself out and find a voice and and get confidence and figure out what I wanted to do and then realize the dream and then it was. I suppose up to me to to go out there and do it, but the validation always came from, and and I do I attribute it to my upbringing. I've I've always been validated by my family. I've always been told by my my both my mother and my father that you can do anything. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. I was never put in a box. I was never forced to do something that my heart was never in. It was always like, okay, well, you know, we. We think you'd be good at that, but if your heart says this, then you do that. I think that that was it. It was something missing badly in our society at the moment. It really isn't something that we've been talking about for many, many years. There isn't that validation in something as simple as your home environment that you grow up in. Is that if you already, from a young child, from somebody that is being brought up in this world, and you kind of feel that you know, you're, you can do it because you have the support, you have that self-validation, you have that confidence in you. That, that was something I always knew that, you know what, things are bad out here, but when I come home, it's going to be okay. And then I'm going to balance things out and I'm going to go out and I'm going to try again. But if you don't even have that safe space to go to, like where, where, where do you go problem is that I just, I just wish to have that in their lives because that is something that for me is so important and that's what I try and do with my kids and give them that ability to have that safe haven. I'm so young and I know there's a lot to go through but for me that's so important. It really, really is. Yeah, and you mean, so you speak about, um, there's, there's the opposite of that where we're told we can do anything and we're not yeah. told what that anything takes. So, exactly. right? exactly. so you've got this generation who's like, oh, no, my mom and dad told me I can do anything. But, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Not really. You know, it's, it's a, that's so interesting because I'll never forget, like, my, my son was, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great sportsman. And I mean, he's still young. He's only 11 years old now. So, I mean, you know, he's still got a long way to go in life. But, and his very first disappointment came when he wasn't chosen for something and in a, a team or it was a trial of some sort. And he came home and he cried and it was, it was so devastating for him that he realized like, you know, like, uh, why? I'm the best. You've always told me I'm the best. And the lesson in that was, no, no, it's not. You go out there and you try. And, and when you fail and you get that hurt, that is what drives you to pick yourself up and go out and try again and actually practice and make it better and then go do it again. And then, you know, the next season he was chosen and the next season he didn't actually care whether he got chosen or not. And it was such a wonderful lesson to actually see in practice. I loved it. It was devastating because it's, it's such a small thing, but those are the life lessons. It's those things because along the line, the disappointments are always going to be there and they never leave you. I mean, I'm, I suppose you know it as well as I do. And I mean, yeah, 
so I mean, I think I think just the the lesson in life is is kind of you know we've all had to go through this right now. I mean, this has been one of the most difficult parts of some of some of our lives. If, if you know, most of us, I suppose, watching have realised that you know we've had to find new ways, find new inspirations, find new things that we've had to pick ourselves up and try again. And 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 we still are trying to pick ourselves up and try again. Yeah, it's never really the end of the road. It, it can't be because we've still got a long road ahead of us. It really is not the end for us. But it's, it's just that these are the things that make us stronger. So what I, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of a, of a calculation, Jan. So I'm not a math, math, mathematical person at all, right? But 15 years at more life, correct? Uh, 16. 16 years. But I won't hold you against it. I'm also not a mathematician. So I've done 15 years, 52 weeks, because you're consistent as anything, right? I don't know how you Five days a week. At one interview a day, you've interviewed 4,350 people. Wow. At two a day, you've interviewed 8,700 people. And I'm, I'm estimating that you're doing, on average, three plus a day which yes. makes 13,050 people that you would have interviewed, right? That's amazing. So, I know. I've been thinking about it for the last two days. What's the, like, what do you learn from interviewing 13,000 people? I would put it at that. How many do you do a day, would you say? Yeah, on, on average three, minimum, three people. You know what you, you learn is that you forget a face very quickly. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not named. Yeah, not quite. Hey, wow! I've never thought about it that way. That's huge. Yeah. So you, I mean, that is pretty huge. So, thirteen thousand and fifty interviews, and and for me, where I'm going with this is, at the moment, we're saying to to our leaders. Um, and our future aspirational leaders and our politicians, it's time for you to listen. You, we need you to listen. I've interviewed and been talking to a lot of business leaders through what I do. And the message that I get is that we need empathetic, authentic, listening leaders. And for that, that's something you do on a daily basis. You become a master at your craft. What, you know, what I really want to do is kind of send a message of what is, how do we become good listeners? What are the, what are the, what is in your toolbox that you would say that, that allows you to be a master at your trade? Yeah, I, I love, I love what you said because it, for me, it is, it is the listening. This is what I love to do is to listen to people. I'm not there to teach anybody a lesson. I'm not there to change anybody's perspective on their world. I'm there to listen to you. I'm there to listen to your story. I'm there to hear you out. And I'm, I'm there to, I'm there to hear your way of thinking and let viewers hear your way of thinking and hear your life and your experience. And, and, and this is the problem is that sometimes people are so, so stubborn in their way of thinking that, you know, as a, as a interviewer, a lot of the times people go in there with their agenda. Fact, yeah. Right. I'm coming in here and I am going to, I'm going to get what I want to get out of it. And, and that's not the way I want to go into things. And sometimes it may frustrate people thinking, yeah, but why isn't she shouting at this person? And why isn't she, you know, going in and, and teaching them a lesson? No, because it's not my job to teach you a lesson. 
My job is to pull the story out of you and then allow you as the viewer to decide for yourself. Do you believe the story? Do you pick up something out of the story that you can use? Do you actually sort of learn something out of this? Or do you actually think, my gosh, this is the biggest idiot I've ever listened to in my life? You know, these are the kind of things that you as a thinking human being have to decide for yourself. It's not for me to decide for you. And sometimes I think that as news anchors and maybe as journalists, we, we forget our role in all of us. It's not, yes. yes, I will always ask the questions and yes, I will always demand the answers, but I'm not there to change your mind. That's not what I'm there to do. I mean, I'll never forget once interviewing uh, an unbelievable woman who, in my opinion, I think she, you know, she was a very strong woman, your pardon, not Palestinian, Syrian woman. And she was one of the very first people that had ever a female hijacked a plane um, and she sort of joined a, a terrorist organization and she was, her name was Leila Khalid. I, I, I urge you to Google it if you can. So she came into South Africa and she, of course, came in for an interview. I've interviewed her, I think, three times and she hijacked the plane. And I mean, this lady actually performed um, reconstructive surgery on her face so that she could hijack a plane again in case she was recognized. And she never put any anesthetic onto her face when she did it. I mean, you have no idea of this lady's story. But there were a lot of people who watched this interview and they were appalled by the fact that I actually did not like climb into her and demand answers and, and ask, but how could you do that? And what were you thinking? And why would you? I mean, really, am I, am I the one to be the judge and jury over this woman? No, I'm there to hear the story. I'm there to pull out the story out of, a, out of a woman that has an unbelievable story to tell. Do you really want to listen to my voice when you can actually hear from a woman herself who went onto a plane and hijacked it, not once, but twice, and why she did it, how she did it, what inspired her to do it, what did it feel like? I mean, do you not want to hear those experiences? I'm not a court of law. I never will be a court of law. I would have gone into law if that was the case. We need to learn to listen. And when you listen to other people's stories and when you understand where they're coming from, you'll be amazed how you can actually empathize with people. And, and that changes you. It changes you. It changes how you see the world. It's, it's an incredible thing. I think we'd all, we'd, we'd, we'd really be better people if we could just engage in something like that. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. I don't do enough of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't. We, we're too quick to... Um, you know, impart our own opinion rather than just let people talk and be open to listening and see what we can be curious, see what we can find from it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've already thought you're an amazing person, but I think you're even more amazing because you are a, a fellow Libran. So it's your birthday next month. So I just want to wish you. <laughs> I always knew there Thank was something. You. When I looked at the Thank birthday, I thought, when is your birthday? 8th of October, so I'm just before oh, you. So I think just, that's what it is. So I knew it. And you know what, if it, if it isn't for ourselves as Librans telling each other this, no one else would recognize it. And this is, this is the plight that we go through in our lives. If it isn't for Librans telling each other how wonderful we are, and we really are. <laughs> and everybody else has got the roly eye emoji going in, in like infinite. <laughs> Except the other Librans who agree with us. So yeah, don't worry. We have an army behind us. Uh, um, as I don't know if it's a Libran thing, but I'm, I'm very much very sort of competitive and into my sport. And I noticed that you took on something and I never saw if I tried to research it. 
that you went and did the, the Kilimanjaro hike, or you were going to, but did yeah. you I didn't see the, I didn't, couldn't find the results. So you did finish it. So just tell me about that. I, did, I mean, send you the picture. <laughs> I, I promise you I did it. I will send you the picture. I went to the top and I stood next to that pole because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it is. Is that you're going up there to stand next to this ugly pole that says, well, um, congratulations, you have reached the summit Uhuru Peak, Kilimanjaro, 5895, 5895 feet of sea level, and then you come down. And I'm yeah. like, really? We're doing it for that? But wow. <laughs> I, yeah. It was amazing. There's more into that, isn't there? There's what, I mean, yeah. like preparation and the discipline and the how, what did that teach you? How did you, you know, what did you learn from that? Yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the biggest learning experiences in my life. In fact, it was five years ago that we did that. And, you know, it was, it was something for me. And I've always, I've always said it because I remember I, I did a, a talk around this and it was something that I called achieving my impossible. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I'm not the hiking type. I'm not the type that goes out and, and, and does any form of hiking and sleeping in tents and doing those kind of things. It's not my vibe. I really do not do that. Um, so when I was approached to climb up Kilimanjaro, it sounded like guys, I'm, and it was by the Nelson Mandela Foundation. I said, no, no, look, with all due respect, I think you have the wrong Leanne. Thank you. But no, thank you. This is not what I do. Not my vibe. Um, if you want me to stroll the streets of Paris or a beautiful city like New York, I'm there. I'm with you. But strolling up a mountain and like, yeah, not going to happen. So, you know, but it was, it was, it was sort of, it was something that I said, you know, with the help of my husband convincing me in my head saying, ah, we're doing it, we're going, we are going to take on this challenge. And we did. And we went to the group of us and, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I think the hardest part about it, and again, this lesson was the, the, the journey wasn't necessarily the hardest part. It was the decision to actually do it. That was the hardest part. And as you said about that Libra and stubbornness, once you've decided to do something, we need to follow through. We need to do it. It's this obsession. It's like this, this puzzle thing I've got going at the moment. Don't make me open a box and start a puzzle and not finish it because it'll kill me. It'll kill me even though I'm hating the puzzle. I have a problem with chocolates. Don't make me open a box of chocolates. And <laughs> I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. Don't let me start something and not finish it, which is a good and a bad thing. It's a good and a bad thing. I saw this, this meme once. Um, it was a, it's somebody holding onto a rope and you hold onto this rope so tight and at the same time, while you're holding to feel like you're not finished, and what's happening is actually your hands are tearing and there's blood coming out of your hands and it's making, it's really, it's actually causing you more harm than it's doing you good. And sometimes you need to learn to let go and say, it's actually okay to let go. And, and it's, it's a thing that I need to, I need to learn because I'm not sure I know how to let go of things as yet, but um, that, that, that's a point that I think we could learn, a lesson that we do need to learn. That it's okay to let go sometimes. What have you, I mean, what have you let go of? Yeah, I think I have. I think I've let go of a lot of things. This, this lockdown let me, let me realize that I've, I've had to let go of a lot of things. I've had to let go of that hectic life that I was so used to. You know, I, I remember having been approached to write an article and say, what, what was it that I found in this particular lockdown? And then I, I was reminiscing on this life that I, that I led before this. I mean, I, I think of my life last year where I remember I was, I, I was, I think I'd been traveling probably for 
maybe three days. I hadn't even been home. I hadn't seen my children. And then I landed at, an, I landed at the airport. My flight was delayed. I was emptying the, I guess it was the, um, the, the top, top uh, awards, the top government awards, I'm sure. What were they? The, the awards. I was doing an award ceremony for the end yeah. of last year. I mean, I had literally just arrived. I had my dress in the back of the car that had been sitting there. I then found a hotel in the complex that I could go in and change and then quickly come and do the event, then get home uh, at whatever time it was, because I remember we were sort of it was two in one event and then got home at what time. I'm giving you one day's example of a life that I used to lead and then wake up at four, go back to work. And, and then I would see my kids after maybe three days of not seeing them. And I think to myself, wow. Then I came to this point where you forced to lie. Forced to realize that, hang on, there is so much more to this than actually running from pillar to post and thinking that I'm not worth it if I'm not killing myself for other people. Whereas at the end of the day, you know, why are you killing yourself for other people when you're actually just, you're not doing anything for yourself? And that was a big lesson for me. So I've learned to slowly let go of that and just forced. But I'm, I think I found a, a much happier place after that. So I, I've read that you, in preparing for all of this, that you are actually not a morning person. I mean, believe mm -hmm. that. So, and you have pretty much had an existence of being a morning person. So and I know mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I also wasn't a morning person. And I actually woke up the other morning, this epiphany. By 8 o'clock, half my day is over because I'm up at 5 and I'm, my brain's ticking, ticking. I mean, you're up at 4. But... but yeah. um, I never was that person. I kind of had this moment of, hang on, when did that happen? When did that change? So how do you, I know what I, I've done and I think many people have done, but how do you, as first of all, not a morning person, and then second of all, to be as alert as you are, as enthusiastic as you are, and as sharp as you are, how, do you train yourself for that? Is that what, what did you have to do? Well, I mean, I, I have a very simple answer to that, and it's kind of a standard answer that I have is that to be to be this alert and to be this awake and happy, you need to be paid, and that's the kind of thing that I, <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't do it for free. I mean, find me on the weekend and see if I'm alert and sharp and happy and awake. No chance. Um, in fact, my my son came to me the one day and he said, "My gosh, mom, you actually you look like a like." A, I don't want to tell you, but you do look a little bit like a poodle this morning. And I was like, what? A poodle? And I looked in the mirror and it was. He was but, you know, <laughs> but seriously, I think it's just a love. It's a love for what I do. You know, I, I don't know if I am. Maybe I am looking forward to it or maybe I'm not. When that alarm clock doesn't go off at four o'clock and now half past three because I, I have a puppy and it's killing me, this puppy. It wakes me up at four, at three o'clock in the morning now like I, like I need that. Um, but but I'm, I'm wondering what, what I'll do once that sort of, that stops, because it is a training. I mean, you've been, yeah. you, you constantly are waking up at that time and you're doing it. And the most amazing thing, or was that? You, on, on weekends, the clock naturally sets you off at four no. o'clock. So you can no, sleep. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I can. But if I'm home for some reason in the week, then yes, I do wake up. Then I will. I'll find my body clock will wake up. But on the weekends, I'm okay. I won't wake up. But um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But you do honestly. You you you. Can't, I think the older you get, the less the less you want to sleep. In. So, um, I mean, I've been. You ha have been exposed to so much of what Africa has 
to give so much of what as I'd say, I mean, you probably interacted with every personality type, every race, every gender, every, uh, that you could think of. And um, we've been through some tough times and we're getting some tough times now. I mean, you, you must love South Africa. What, what is it that you love about um, Africa and keeps you here? Because I mean, you could have quite easily been another South African who had been yeah. poached and um, you know, settled overseas, etc. And I think there is a massive, uh, mass sort of exodus happening at the moment with a, with a lot of South Africans leaving the country. What what brings you or keeps you loving this this continent? Yeah, I, I you know, that's it's, it's such an interesting question, and, and it's something that I do get asked a lot of the times. And I think a lot of a lot of us South Africans are asked that, and I and. You know, my, 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 my heart is here. I, I was born here. I know nothing better. As you have, I have. I've traveled the world. I mean, I've gone to so many different countries and experienced their lives where I belong. Um, and and the, the, the other fundamental thing about living here and living on the continent, firstly, no matter what you do, you are making a difference. You can make a difference. You know, when you go to a bigger place or when you go to Europe or when you go to the Americas or wherever you may go, you know, you do something and you honestly don't feel like you're doing anything. But the smallest thing you do here, you feel like you're making a difference. And I, and I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I may, I may be naive in my thinking, but I just, I don't want to give up on this place. I never, I never, um, we go back to that original thing, that thing that you and I both have. It's that you, you start something and I don't want to be the one to, to, to say I'm going to give up. I never want to give up on this place. I think that we have such a rich, a rich history behind us and a rich history and, I mean, a rich future in front of us. And we have to work to achieve that. We really, really do. I mean, I admire you guys for what you're doing. You could have sort of just, you know, packed it up and said, well, I mean, the magazine industry is not working. This is not working anymore. Eventing, gosh, what are we going to do? This is not happening. Let's just pack it up and go. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's just not, but you're not. You're finding ways of going through and trying to figure this out and, and meander these ways. What we really desperately need is good leadership. We can't allow our leaders to get away. We're taking advantage of people anymore. It can't happen. We went through really, really tough years. Maybe it is time that we as South Africans realize that we have the power, is that we must stop looking up to politicians and saying, you know, they'll show us the leadership, they'll show us the direction, because they're proving themselves over and over again that they are not, that we have to actually take up the reins and decide our own future and say, no, enough is enough. And we need to take the power back because, you know, you've seen a lot of countries going through the most. I mean, we just saw, you know, I know that my, my sort of family heritage down the line comes from Lebanon. And we saw those explosions taking place in Lebanon. And that was one of the most devastating things for the world to witness. But I often said, and I've, and I've been quoted as saying it, is that it, it's almost fast forward South Africa just a couple of years because we're going through the same thing, to be honest with you. There is corruption, there is maladministration, there is overspending, there is the, the, the idea that you're not a public servant, is that the public are your servants and that you should be grateful. What are we grateful for? There's honestly nothing to be grateful for, is that by now we should be much further ahead of the country. But the problem is that an elite few are the ones that are moving forward at a fast pace, stealing money, and the rest of the country are staying behind. We can't allow this to happen anymore because before we know it, before we know it, 
we will also have an explosion, an explosion that we will never recover from. And we need to put our foot down. And it's a big lesson, a lesson that we need to learn as a country. We need to please, as South Africans think, we have to think and open our eyes. Yeah, agreed. And, and I would say, probably, I mean, again, this must frustrate you because you are in this industry is, is the, the hype around how quickly fake news escalates and creates um, issues in politics and society um, in terms of that sort of unrest. I mean, it's, yeah. it's frustrating. So um, what I was going to ask you is, what is, what is Leanne's um, Africa look like? I mean, what, is, what, is, what, is, what are you optimistic about the future of Africa for? What keeps you optimistic with all the interaction you have with all these different personalities? You know, I've, I've, I've interacted on so many different African countries with so many different kinds of people. And it's not, the funny thing is, it's not the leaders that inspire me on mm. the continent. And that's what worries me. It's the people that inspire me. And what, what I mean by that are, it's the people on the ground that are doing such amazing work. And I've, I've been privileged to, to see this with my own eyes and experience it through the work that I do with the UNHCR. Uh, I've, I've, I've been ambassador for the UNHCR working with refugees and you know when when one thinks of refugees we don't necessarily um, think too much about the African continent we keep, we keep thinking more towards you know the, 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 the Middle East and the problems that happen there but let me tell you something I've also had the ability to, to, to have a look and see the difference between the refugees in the Middle East and what they are given and then have a look at the African continent and see what they are given. And the difference is, uh, my, my hand goes out of the shop. Because yeah. the, 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 it's not even, if you really want to see where Africa falls into the scale of things, you have a look at that. that there is nothing. It is devastating. It, it's devastation on another level. And the people are resilient. The people, the people give. The people embrace. The people are happy. The people just keep on living. And it's no thanks to the leadership. And, you know, we as a, a continent are so rich. We have the manpower. We have the mineral resources. We have absolutely everything in our favor except the leadership. And, and, and we have to look at that. And we have to be vigilant about this and realize that if you just turn that round and, and understand that, that, that we can make this work, we don't need to always rely on handouts. We always have to, to sort of give and buy back. We can make, we need to do these things. It, it's something that we keep speaking about. And yes, I'm hoping we see it in our lifetime, or at least my children's lifetime. I really am. I mean, I've invested to stay here with them and have their future here. But, you know, it's just something that we need to work towards. It really, really is. And that's, I mean, I, I was gonna, that was my next question is, is what's the, you know, for you, the future of your kids, what are you... What, what are you like? What, what are you excited? You've got to have these conversations with them around where their future lies, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not, I'm not naive. I'm not naive to the difficulties that we as a country are going through, and as a continent as well. And of course, um, there, there, there's, you know, there's always the talk that you know they may need to go to another country. They may need to, you know, study somewhere else. They may need to broaden their horizons, keep their options open, never have things set in stone. I mean, these are life lessons. We've spoken about this. Is that, is that nothing, you know, we'd love to plot our path and say, no, well, you're going to stay here. And you get, like I did, you know, I, I grew up in this area, bought a house in this area. I still live here. I work here. I'm, you know, that's, 
your life may not be the same. It might be the same, but we have to be open-minded to realize that things do change. So that does happen. But, you know, my, my, my kids love this place. We thrive on this place. It's our heart. It's our, this is what we, we, we believe in and we are here. But, you know, there unfortunately is always a plan in the background. There is, you know, that's, that's how we as, as South Africans live. It's a sad way to live because I want to not have another plan. I don't want to have a plan B. I like plan, plan A. Plan A rocks. But you can't be naive. We also can't live in a naive world. So speaking of plan A's and B's, what, I mean, if this had not been the life for you, what, yeah. what life would Leanne have picked? What career path would, would have been different? What, have, do you have one in a, you know, the, the super ego, whatever it's called, alter ego? My alter what, ego. What would it have what been? What would I have liked? Gosh, you know, it's so, it's so hard for me to say because I am, I am doing what I truly love. Isn't that amazing? I, it, it is amazing because not many people can actually say that. I remember when I was at school and I did one of those silly tests, whatever you call them, and, and, and at the end of it, uh, what was it? An aptitude, not an aptitude. A career. Whatever it is. You know, they told me to become a politician. Can you imagine? Oh, no chance. There is no chance. So, so I was like, what? A politician? There's no chance. Or something in communication. I'm like, no, hang on a second. I'm not sure that a politician is a good communicator. Or actually, the best politicians are the best communicators. That's how they get the vote. But yeah, so maybe that was what I was going to do. Going to politics? Never. No, that's not going to happen. But I, I really, on a serious note, I love what I do. Except I, I want to, you know, there's, there's so much more I want to do. I mean, you've told me that how many people I've interviewed, you've blown my mind. That's the best thing I'm taking away from this interview. I'm going to quote that figure. But I, 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 want to, I want to know people more. I want to, there was one thing that I saw that stayed with me. It was, I'm not sure where it was, I don't know, but it's, it's something I've, I've screenshot. It's the concept of you sit in front of people and you talk to normal people. So I, I saw this thing, it was a, it's called the, the listening library. And basically what it does is instead of taking out a book you sit in front of a person and you listen to their story and they're not necessarily anybody special. They are a nobody, but you listen to their story. Because for me, it's, it's getting back to the fact that I love listening to people and I love hearing stories. And I hope that, that I, I'll continue because that's what I, I thrive on, is listening to people, hearing their stories and being able to tell people their stories. I don't necessarily want to talk to famous people. I, I want to talk to normal people. And this is something that you know, through this, this, I want to go and speak to people, I want to go into the camps, record their lives, record what it is that they do, and let people be aware that there are, there are things in this world that you will never experience, and you are blessed not to, but understand that you must count your blessings, because it doesn't matter how low or how high you are, you are blessed. It's amazing. I mean, that's pheno I mean, phenomenal, and like you say, you're impacting people's lives just by giving them that exposure but how do you how do you set the boundary between rescuing every single like person or situation no you no no you can't and it's not about rescuing people it's really not i mean that i would love to i wish i could i remember in one of the camps that we were in that was in um uh, Kenya, I think, and I, 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 there was one little kid there, and I, I happened to have a, a, a sweet, 
in the car, we were in one of the, the refugee vehicles and I, I opened it and the kid was standing there and wanted the sweet and I was like, okay. And I gave this one child a sweet. And the next second, I suddenly had another one, another 10, another 50, another 100, four. The, the car was swamped by kids that wanted a sweet. And you can't. Yeah. And the one lady in the, in the car with me said to me, she said, don't worry about it. You, ha- you gave one and it's okay. It's not, don't, don't feel bad about that. It's not about not changing everybody's life and making everybody's day. If you can just do one, you've done something good. And it's something to think about. It really is something to think about. We can't change the world. We never will. I wish we could. We can't. Yeah. But if you can change, just make a difference in someone's life, you've done good. And how do you manage the, um, obviously you are in the limelight daily and, and you probably overcome this a long time ago, but for people who struggle with this leader, people leadership who are influenced by judgment, you know, um, and it, you know, everybody has an ego, everybody wants to be liked, but at the end of the day, uh, you walk away knowing some people are, like you said earlier, some people are unhappy. They wanted you to, you know, scream and shout and interrogate or whatever it may be. But ultimately you go home and you have this internal dialogue with yourself around, was I good enough? People don't like me. Should I have, shouldn't I have? How do you manage that? How do we, how can we help other people manage that? Because it's becoming almost with social media and those sorts of things, it's becoming a sort of critical mental health problem, not just an egotistical issue. Yeah, you, you know, that, that's something that I have to unfortunately go through, uh, not on a daily basis, but at least a weekly basis where yeah. I'll have to look at the, the feedback and that social media immediate response mechanism where you'll say something or do something and automatically it's like, boom, uh, yeah. this is what I think of you. Or why didn't you say that? Why didn't you ask that? Why do you look this way? Why did you do that? Why, you know, why are you... Yeah, a whole bunch of things. I'm not even going to get into them. And, and I have to constantly question myself and think, man, I, I don't know if I am good enough. I have no idea if I deserve this. I have no idea. Why didn't I do that? What was I thinking? Why did I, why didn't I ask that? Why did I ask that? Why did I, and you know, you can eat yourself up alive. And it does. I, I welcome the feedback. I really do. But I want you to be constructive. I want you to tell me why. I want you to tell me what I can do better because I know I can improve every single day and I have. I mean, we've really, I have evolved a lot. I mean, as a broadcaster, I've evolved a lot. I, I never went into this as a, a political person who focused completely on politics, but right now we're finding, I mean, it used to be as a program, it was a very sort of, um, Morning Live was a very diverse program. We did a lot. We spoke from magazines, politics, to this, to that, to everything, you name it. But these days we're finding that it's a lot more hard-hitting political. It's the environment we deliver. We need, we need this kind of, these answers. And I've had to adjust. I've had to change. And I've listened. I've listened to the feedback, but, but to the, the, the good critical feedback, the stuff that's helped me, but the stuff that, like for instance, criticizing me because I'm white, it's not going to help. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about that. I was born that way, unfortunately, or fortunately. I have no idea. I have no idea. But, you know, these are the kind of things that you have to deal with. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 sort of, I sort of say, okay, fair enough. I see your point. But, you know, hear me out. Just give me a chance. I'm, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's not a problem. So these are, these are the things that we all do. 
I feel sorry for somebody who is younger and has to deal with this and isn't old enough with big enough shoulders and thick enough skin to actually shrug it off. Um, I've had a few years of having to deal with it, so it's, it's a little bit better. But believe me, it still gets to you. It doesn't matter who you are. And no one can tell you that it doesn't because it, it really, really does. So ultimately, it's work through it and get rid of what doesn't work. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> get rid of what you can. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it you can't. I, I mean, I've, I've done it before. I've, I've, when I was younger, I used, to, I used to go to bed and wish that I'd wake up blonde with blue eyes. And it didn't happen. <laughs> I stayed a brunette with brown eyes. So, uh, you know, there's some things you can't change, but there, there are a lot of things you can. Well, you can try to, to, to agree, but yeah. So, but otherwise, Leanne, it's been so awesome to, to spend this time with you. I've, learned, I've actually learned a lot. Um, I think we think we know all about you, but there's so much more to what Love you present. Um, and it's really fabulous to get to spend this time with you. Um, yeah, and, and keep on doing what you're doing. I don't know what's coming next for you. I mean, I've heard you say this is a lifelong career. This is a career that has no end. But, and I hope, I hope that's the case. No, yeah, well, it's, it's a big mark on my side because everything has an end. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that there is a lot more, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. I mean, it's, oh. just, uh, it's you know, this is, this is, this is just the part. We're lucky to have you grace our, our morning rituals and routines and cup of coffees and, and be, our, be our voice in the early mornings because many Amazing. of us are not geared for that. So thank you yeah. so much and stay, stay super well. Thank you. And you as well. What a joy. Thanks for having me, Carla. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Cheers, Leanne. Ciao. Take care, everybody. Bye.